Hi, and welcome to the By Your Side podcast, the property podcast to help you buy better. My name is Michelle May, and today I am talking with Michael Shield from Stonehouse Group once again to talk about banks versus brokers. What are the differences? What do we need to watch out for? What are the questions to ask? So here we go. Hi, Michael. Welcome back. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me again. Our last episode was such a hit. I thought I'd pick your brain a little bit more. And today I really wanted to talk about the big banks versus brokers and what are the questions we need to be asking ourselves to to get the best possible result for us looking to find a mortgage. So obviously we get hammered with advertising. As soon as you start looking on domain and real estate and you think, oh, potentially be in the market to buy something, you know, all of a sudden when you're on Facebook or another website, all of a sudden these pop-up ads come as if they're reading your brain, right? A lot of those are from the big banks, you know, advertising lowest rates and things like that. And so I have a couple of questions for you. The first one would be with all these different options nowadays with borrowing money left, right and center, why a bigger bank isn't always, you know, we're talking about the big four, why is a bigger bank not always the better option? Every bank has a different set of lender policies. They all have different different risk that they're willing to, to accept. And so as a result, every aspect of an application that you can possibly think of basically varies from bank to bank and lender to lender. And so why that's important is because everyone's situation is so different. And depending on what it is that you actually want, one bank might be more suitable for you than another. And so just because a bank is bigger doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be more accommodating. So as an example, if you have an existing property, the banks will assess that existing loan in a, in a certain way. And some banks will look at the actual loan and, and add a buffer onto it. Whereas some banks might actually just look at the actual repayments and, and add a slight buffer on top of that. So the actual repayments compared to an assessment rate might be very, very different. So borrowing capacity, for example, might be one area where the difference between a big bank and a small bank will may vary significantly. And it's interesting, isn't it? For example, we've got Commonwealth Bank and then you've got Bank West, mm. who is actually it's owned by Commonwealth Bank, right? Right. But they could they could have very different rules and regulations as to how much they're prepared to lend you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. They, they do. So yeah, that, that's one example. Exactly. They also will have different interest rates, even though they're basically the same bank. Yeah. Every facet of an application can be looked at differently. You know, perhaps your bonus income or your living expenses or and it could also depend on what industry you work in you know so i was working with clients recently one was a principal of a school Mm. So they got their, their borrowing through... Teachers Mutual. Teachers Mutual, mm. yes. So they look at things differently if you if you are part of that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Mm. So there's, you know, specialist policies with, with some lenders. Self-employed clients, you know, some some lenders will look over two years, others will look at one. Basically, any, any aspect of an application will vary across the banks. And that's why yeah. it's important to have a mortgage broker because they have access to all those different banks. Whereas if you walk into CBA, I'm sure their staff are very friendly, but they're probably not going to say to you, oh, by the way, you know, if you walk a couple doors down and speak to bank X, Mm. they're going to be able to lend you more or provide a better service or, you know, whatever it might be. I use the analogy of going into the Volkswagen dealership, you know, you're walking in and obviously all they've got there is polos and Passats and whatever cars they have, models. They're not going to go and whisper in your ear, go, hey, you know, if you walk down the road and you go to Skoda, you're going to get 
the same car, but it's the third of a price or, or whatever right. it is. Right? They're only ever going to push whatever they've got available to them. Exactly. So I guess that's what you can expect from your broker. You can get a view across the whole market, right? I mean, what, when I start talking to a broker, how many different products should he or she be able to show you across then? What's 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 a normal expectation? Brokers will, will have access to call it 30 plus lenders. So quite a lot of options, but in terms of what they present to a client, I feel like three or four is probably the most, you know, any, anyone can sort of just jump on a comparison website if they want to have a look at a hundred options. But I, I think really it's the, the broker's role to put forward, you know, the best three or four to ex- explain why. And that, that mm-hmm. can include the client's existing bank. You know, it's not to say that the client shouldn't go to their existing bank. If you're saying, you know, they've you've been with a certain bank for years, I've been a, a very loyal customer of Westpac for 20 20 years, they're going to give me a great deal. Is is that, will they look after you better, do you think? The short answer is no. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> why am I not surprised? <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of people do feel that and the amount of time we, we hear, I'm, I'm loyal to my bank and, and mm. these sorts of, of topics. But no, you know, it still needs to go, the application still needs to go through the exact same channel. They still need to assess whether you can afford it or not. So just There's because- no such thing as a preferential rate for people who've been with a certain bank for over plus five 10, 20 years? Unfortunately not. So it's it's still the same the same process. Right. Which is, you know, it, it's a bit unfair perhaps, but, you know, that's just the way that the banks have decided that they want to run the way that they run. It's that complacency, right? I, is take advantage of the right word because it's hard it's hard to change bank accounts it's hard to change a mortgage it's it takes time and everybody's so busy and you're spread so thin over all these different things you have to do that is or like it's like choosing you know health insurance oh my gosh it's really hard so people just go okay i'll just i'll just stick with what whatever i i have and and they'll they'll look after me but i Mm. imagine that as a broker, you can you can bring a lot of value to to that proposition and, and actually show them what the difference would be. Now, when you are in the market for a, a property and you're looking at getting a pre-approval, is it a good idea to apply across different banks and, and institutions for, for for multiple applications? Or what what are your thoughts on that? Definitely not. Definitely not. Oh, so, okay. So firstly, with the pre-approval, one thing that's be, to be mindful of or to be aware of is that the approval is fully assessed. So what happens is a lot of banks, and this is understandable from a, a profit perspective, a lot of banks won't actually assess your application completely until you provide a contract of sale. If you apply for a pre-approval, what will happen with a lot of lenders is that you put in the the details. And if it ticks certain metrics on submission, an automatic approval will be sent out. But that's worth as much as me writing on a piece of paper saying approved. Um, (laughs) Oh, really? It it really doesn't mean anything. You know, whether the broker's made a mistake to accidentally put an extra zero on someone's income or you know, whether the system hasn't picked up a certain policy that, you know, that only someone from the bank would actually be aware of, but perhaps the computer system hasn't picked that up. Uh And especially in Sydney, when it's so competitive and whether you're buying at auction or you're required Mm. to exchange with a 66W, so so you're exchanging unconditionally with a non-refundable 10% deposit, that sort of stress that you don't need to Mm. not be sure whether the bank's actually looked at your application or not. So number one is making sure that the bank has fully assessed your application. But with the pre-approvals, because it's not property specific, it's just making sure that you can cover 
a particular scenario. And that's what yeah. you submit to the bank. So the scenario might be you're purchasing for a million dollars and the loan's 800000 And the bank will assess to say, yes, you know, based on your affordability and the lender's policy, we're happy to mm. issue this loan. But they don't know what property you're purchasing. So if you apply for two or three or four pre-approvals, you're not more secure. You're not more protected. Okay. It, all you need is, is one to make sure that you're covered. It doesn't mean that you're stuck with that bank. So one of the things that we do at Stonehouse is that we make sure that when a client has a pre-approval and then they exchange, we'll always go back and reassess lending options. So we don't want to say to someone, well, because lender A, B and C don't fully assess pre-approvals, that we're no longer going to consider them as an option. So once a client exchanges, we'll then reassess to see if it's still the best option. I mean, saying that we don't know if the property search for a client lasts a week or months. In that time, the products might have changed, the rates might have changed, the client's deposit might have changed. Yeah, There's so many variables at play. So we don't want to just pigeonhole a client into saying, look, you got to pre-approve with this bank, you're stuck with them. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. And for those who are listening, exchange, when you exchange contracts, that means that you are locked into the transaction. So you have signed the contract, the vendor has signed the contract, you have paid your five or 10% deposit. If you pull out of that transaction, you lose that deposit that is here in New South Wales. There may be different conditions wherever you are in the country. But the bank, remember the bank lends to you and then they have to decide whether whatever money amount you've put on the contract, the property is actually worth that, right? So it's great that they say, look, Patricia, we're we're happy to lend you a million dollars. You go and find yourself an apartment, put a million dollars on the contract. They can still turn around and say, ah, we think you're lovely, Patricia, but that apartment's only worth 800000 Right. So that is something that can happen if you haven't done your research. So you can't just go out and spend your million dollars with gay abandon. You still have to do your research, right, Michael? Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think also one, one thing to, to keep in mind also with you know those multiple pre-approvals that we sometimes see before a client comes to us is that it can impact your credit score. Right. Your credit score is essentially a, a number that the the banks or the powers that be have come up with to work out very quickly if someone's going to be good at repaying debt, a good borrower. Right. And so there's all these different aspects to work out if that's the case. So that could in- include items such as missed credit card or, or missed loan repayments. Um, right. It could include things like even just your time at employment or your address, to, so to show essentially stability. That's, okay. that's one aspect. Another aspect is credit activity. And so on your credit file, and this is something that I would encourage clients to, to have a look at just out of curiosity, if, if nothing else, and it can be accessed for free online, mm-hmm. creditsavvy.com or Equifax, there's a few different providers. But on your credit file, it doesn't actually show the outcome of a credit inquiry. So when you submit an application, and, and this is for a credit card, home loan, any any debt, essentially, it'll show up with the the date, the institution that you applied for, you know, the the type of inquiry. So whether it was mortgage or personal loan, whatever it might be and the amount, but it doesn't actually say whether you got approved or declined. Why this this comes into play with your, your credit score is that what the guys have worked out is that if you apply multiple times in a very short period of time, the reason is most likely because you got declined. So ah, they, they okay. right. So they figure, well, if I if you got declined from lender A, you probably applied to lender B a week later to try and find right. another solution. And then if that didn't work, you apply for lender C. And so 
that's something that can actually reduce your your credit score. And depending on how many inquiries you have, some lenders actually have a number that says, you know, if you've had a certain amount of credit inquiries in a set period of time, mm-hmm. will actually automatically decline your application. Wow. Okay. So, um, and that could be uh, one day I want to start spending big. So I put in a, an application for a pre-approval. Then tomorrow I'm going to apply for a credit card. And then the day after that, I'm going to see if I can buy a car. Is that across all those things or is it specific applications that, you know, it's all in credit card inquiries or it's all car loans, it's all mortgage applications? Does that get weighted differently or? It, it doesn't know. So any of those, wow. they, they all count. A couple won't really make a a difference, but definitely, you know, if you're applying for five or six, you know, in a six month period, then that's probably, you know, something to be very mindful of. Okay. So it's also time specific. Yes. It also looks at a certain period of time. Okay. Well, that's, that's very interesting. So there you go, guys. If you are looking to get a mortgage, don't just go putting applications in here, there and everywhere, because that's not necessarily a good thing. Thank you so much, Michael. This has been really insightful. If people want to get in touch, with you how are they best to reach you feel free to give me a call so my number is 0406 607 387 check out my linkedin michael cheel or send me an email michael cheel at stonehousegroup.com.au thanks michael thanks for coming in and talking to us about this subject it's been really insightful i've certainly learned a lot if you have any questions for me or for michael of course you want to know about how to get a mortgage how to buy interest rates anything like that do drop us a line at hello at buyyourside.com.au. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Until next time.